0: Welcome to McCullough Christian Center's broadcast today. If you would like more information about our church, please visit our website at www.PurposeMCC.com. God is saying, I want you to make a step, but it's not going to be for you. It's going to be for others that need me. What if right now, this is not about you? It's about the community. What about right now, sir, that it's not about you? It's about your son. Yes. What about right now, mom, if it's not about you, but it's about God wanting to do something through you yes, Lord. that would affect those around you. You see, we we sometimes, and I, and I do it so much. I come to church and I and I come to church and God, I'm coming to church. I want my blessing. I want to hear a good word. I want. I want. And I forget. That God is saying, I want to do something in you to get something through you that will affect those that are around you. See, that's the problem in our world today. If we could just get those that are in the church to allow what you're experiencing right now to affect those outside of the church then next Sunday, we would have to go to two services or three services because what God is doing in you has gone through you and touched somebody else. Amen. There's so- There's so- Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, i tell you what, I'm just going to preach. I want, I want you to stand with me, please, and take your Bibles and turn with me uh, to the book of Joshua. Book of Joshua. I'm going to start out with Joshua chapter 1, and then we're going to move uh, from there. I want to read this morning because I feel Holy Spirit directing me in a way that I wasn't expecting to go. But I want to read this this morning just in case Holy Spirit takes me in that direction. Uh, We've got a foundation to stand on. In 1 Peter chapter 2. First Peter chapter two. Now keep your finger in Joshua, because we're going to go back to Joshua. But in First Peter chapter two, I want us to look. Begin with verse six. Man, did you enjoy that song by Brandon? Man, we didn't know you had that, Brandon. Bringing out all that talent, Sister Sandy and all of them. Man, what what great worship. Thank you guys so much. The Lord has been dealing with me for the past several weeks on the subject of planting your feet. Planting your feet. I played football for just a little bit. I, I injured my knee. I knelt down on the sideline side and knelt down on a rock and hurt my knee. And uh, that was about the extent of my football career. No, no. But, but what little time I played football, all 143 pounds of me until I graduated, which is a tribute to my wife. She fattened me up. But when I graduated, I weighed 143 pounds. I was lean, mean, fighting machine. (laughs) No. But I was 143 pounds. And I played football, and the position that I played when I played football was right tackle. But I remember the coach, bless his heart, Coach Cardwell, I remember the coach would constantly tell me, you need to plant your feet. You're not planting your feet. The reason that he knew that I was not getting my feet planted was that every time the opposing team wanted to come through they would run me over (laughs) and so the lord has been dealing with me on this topic plant your feet now in first peter chapter two beginning with verse six wherefore also it is contained in the scripture behold I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you, therefore, which believe, he is precious, but unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed or rejected the same has been made the head of the corner and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense even to them which stumble at the word being disobedient whereunto also they were appointed now this is what I wanted to get to this is what I want you to hear this morning but you But you. Now, who is the you? The you are the ones that the scripture says, but to you that believe, he is precious. But you are a chosen generation. You're not just a chosen individual. You are a chosen generation. Remember what I said a while ago. God wants to do something in you to get something through you. So you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. You should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Who are you? What are you? You are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. Those who know Jesus are a part of the priesthood of believers. All right. Now let's go over to Joshua chapter 1 and verse 10. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the host, and command the people, saying, Prepare you victuals, or food, for within three days you shall pass over this Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God giveth you to possess it. Father, we thank you for your word. We we pray that your word will go forth today and touch the hearts of your people. In Jesus' name, that they would be changed by your word and by your power. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for standing. Thank God for the power of his word. There's been much rain this week. Every time I see it rain, as I saw it do several times this week, I thank God that that's the way his word is. Amen. As the rain comes down from heaven and the snow and waters the earth thereof and causes it to bring forth and bud, God said, so shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it will accomplish that thing that I sent it to, to accomplish. Amen. That is the power of the word of God. So I want to draw your attention this morning because I believe that my assignment today from Holy Spirit is to get you to understand the power of planting your feet. The Bible uh, says here that we were just talking about or just read the scriptures in the book of Joshua. The children of Israel have come uh, down to the River Jordan. Uh, As a matter of fact, this is their second time that they've been where they are now. The first time that they came uh, can be found in Numbers chapter 13. Uh, They came down uh, and were ready to cross over the Jordan River about 40-something years prior to to, uh, what we just read in Joshua chapter 1. About 40 years earlier, they were in this same position, same place. God said, I'm going to take you into a land that flows with milk and honey. They had sent out the spies. The spies, 12 spies, came back. They came back and gave the report to Moses. Uh, Ten of the spies says, uh, we we saw the land, and surely it is what uh, God said it was. But we also saw the giants, the Anakins, and and all these folks. And uh, they're too big. They're big. We're small. Uh, They're giants. We're grasshoppers. So you know the story. They went back and forth there. Caleb and Joshua were the only two out of that group that believed the word of God, that believed that they could uh, possess the land. So to make a long story short, through their unbelief and their disbelief, they were turned back into the wilderness, and they went and wandered in the wilderness. For year after year after year, the Bible says until all those, all that group, died out. Last Wednesday night, a couple weeks ago, we talked about the attitude, your attitude in your wilderness, and we talked about you've got to have a, a certain attitude when you go through the wilderness. All of us are going to go through the wilderness. We're all going to experience wilderness times in our lives. The thing about understanding that is that when I walk through the wilderness, I've got to understand and know that that just because I'm in a wilderness doesn't mean that God has forsaken me. You see, what happened to the children of Israel prior to Joshua chapter 1 is they is that they, they had in their mind that this land that flows with milk and honey is going to be handed to me and I'm not going to have to go through anything before I get to it. And so as they got in the wilderness, they began to grumble and complain and, and, and uh, backbite and, and fuss and all of that. And, and they wound up, God had to judge them because of their unbelief in the wilderness. They grumbled because they had no water and and God brought water out of a rock. Uh, They they grumbled because they had no food and God sent manna uh, day after day after day. He would give manna to them and they would eat of the manna. But we see over and over and over again that they, they murmured and they complained and they, they fussed that would to God that we were back in Egypt because we're having to go through these struggles and trials. But what they didn't realize was that, listen, it is through your wilderness that God is preparing you to be able to sustain yourself in your promised land. That is what's wrong in our culture today is everybody wants a handout. And this work ethic is a thing of the past. But what people don't realize is that when you give somebody something over and over and over again, they will drift into this thing that they will not be able to sustain themselves because they're always needing to take in more and more and more. So the children of Israel are now back at the Jordan River. And the Jordan River is, is a uh, representation or a picture of a boundary. It is something that they had to cross in order to get in to their land of promise. Under normal conditions, the Jordan River is said to be about 100 feet wide and very shallow. But the Bible says, and you can read it in the book of Joshua, that this was during the springtime. And during the springtime, the snow was melting and all that, the floodwaters were there, and the Jordan River, according to uh, historians and and theologians, uh, according to what they say, the Jordan River, at the time that the children of Israel were were going to cross it, was over a mile wide. And it was a raging torrent of floodwaters. But it was that boundary that they had to cross in order to get to the promised land. And ladies and gentlemen, there are people that are sitting here today, are listening to me this morning, that there are boundaries that have been set before you. It, and those boundaries are not set there to destroy you. They're not set there to rob you of your blessing. They're not set before you because God doesn't like you. They're not set before you because God has got it out for you. They're not set there because God has no power to deal with them. But they're set there to cause your faith to shift from the boundary to the God that will deliver you through the boundary. You see, we've got a a we've got a, a bunch of church people, and I'm not talking about McCullough Christian Center, but I'm talking about the church as a whole. We've got a bunch of church folks that are so used to getting the blessing from God that when the blessing doesn't come on my schedule, I get mad, stomp my foot at God, and move to another church and say they've got a more anointing there. The pastor over there lays hands on them and prophesies to them. So I'm going to gather up my bags and I'm going to get my luggage and I'm going to move to this other church church where I can get my blessing so what has happened is we get a bunch of anemic anemic Christians that are spoiled don't worry I'm not going to stay here I'm, I'm just moving through this that we think God owes us the blessing we think that that god has got to shut everything in heaven down just to give me mine that is y'all better smile i'm gonna come down on the floor if you don't start smiling you see and that's what produces this idea that I'm going to church I am going to get my I'm going to revival tonight because I want a word from God I'm going to get mine I I I don't care about my neighbor that's on his way to hell I just want to get me a blessing today I, I don't I'm not worried about my neighbor that's sitting beside me that needs Jesus desperately I just want to get my blessing. And so God puts these things in our paths to cause us to refocus and to get our minds back on him and to realize that he is the one that will enable us to get through our battles. So Joshua said to the children of Israel, he said, I want you to uh, get ready, get your food together. Get your things in order, because we're about to make a crossing. We're about to go over, and and we're about to possess the land that God has given us. And we're going down into Joshua chapter 3 and verse 3. And I want to give you just a couple of things here, and I'm going to to move real fast. But in Joshua chapter 3, now remember, they're, they're getting ready to cross the Jordan River. The floodwaters are high. The river is raging. Not one time in the previous passages of Scripture did God say to Joshua, I'm going to cause the waters to part. All he said to Joshua is get the people ready because we're about to go in and possess the land. In Joshua chapter 3 and verse 3, The Bible says they commanded the people saying when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites bearing it, then you shall remove from your place and go after it. Number one thing that I want to give you this morning is that God said this. He said to tell the people, he said when you see the Ark of the Covenant beginning to move, that's when you move. The Lord began to deal with me today about crossing over, getting into that place where he wants us to be is going to require a watchfulness from us of understanding the presence of God and watching the presence of God. The Ark of the Covenant represented the very presence of Almighty God. Normally, the presence of God dwelt in the center of the camp. But when God gets ready to do something great, when God gets ready to do something major, His presence will always pick up and begin to move. But what we need to understand is that we've got to move accordingly to the presence of God. Some of y'all are sitting waiting on God to move and you've been sitting there for 20 or 30 years and you've been expecting God to do it like He did it 30 years ago. And God is saying, but I am doing something different. You have never been this way before. You've never gone down the path that I am taking you on today. He said, pay attention to my presence. There will be a day that the preacher will come in and preach three points and a sermon and you can go home but then there will be a day when my presence is moving and you're going to come in and the preacher won't get to preach the psalm service will take over the worship team will begin to worship There there will be a day when you come into the church and it will be quiet and everything will be calm. He said, and that is good because I'm working in that. He said, but there's going to be a day when you come in and you're going to think everybody in the church has lost their mind because they're shouting and they're screaming and hollering and they're worshiping God. Pay attention to the presence. Many people, many churches have missed their revival moment because they didn't pay attention to the presence of God. You see, and and, and that's that's backed up in that passage of scripture, because God told uh, the the people, He said, "I'm going to put the priest with the ark out here, and I want you to stay." Some said it was it was six or seven, eight hundred yards, or a mile from the ark of the covenant to the people it was done like that because god said i am going to be moving i am going to be leading my presence is going to be with that ark you need to stand back far enough that you can see it when it moves so we've got to watch mccall i want to tell you this morning that, that there is a spirit of revival in the house listen, wait, wait the enemy will do everything he can to quench or to shut down that spirit of revival he cannot listen, he cannot bring demons of hell from the outside to do anything but if You're not careful. He will allow a person on the inside to begin to say something or begin to lose the presence of God, get their minds off on themselves to try to stop what he's doing. you got to watch the presence. The presence of God, the Ark of the Covenant, meant that when it was moving, God was moving in the camp. The enemies of Israel feared God. The ark. Why? Because it represented everything God was to the nation of Israel. That's the reason this morning that I told you during worship. You've got to see and understand that God is doing something that is outside of you. Perhaps God brought you here today to put something in you that you don't even know he's doing it. You don't even realize it. But when you go out and get back to your house, there's something that will come out of you that will change somebody in your house. I hope you're downloading this. Because this is good word today. So watch. Holy Spirit spoke to me this morning. He said, "You will have to move from where you are in order for God to move what separates you from His blessing." In other words, the children of Israel had to move when they saw the ark moving or they would have never experienced the blessing of the Jordan River being parted. You've got to understand that so many times we we get surrounded with people, or we're surrounded with a culture of people that doesn't understand what God wants to do in my life. And because they don't understand what God wants to do in my life, they don't understand why I do certain things. That's the reason you've got to keep your eyes on Christ and not on people around you. Listen, in Matthew chapter 16... Along about verse 24, Jesus had said previous to that, he said, I've got to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to go, and he was talking to his disciples, he said, I'm going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to be ill-treated of men. I'm going to suffer many things, and I'm going to give my life in Jerusalem. So I'm, I've got to go to Jerusalem. Peter, the good, the good uh, intention, Peter, spoke up and said to him, uh, Not so, Lord. You don't need to go to Jerusalem. Uh, As a matter of fact, uh, we can't let you do that. You don't need to do that. You need to stay with us. The bottom line is that Peter had a preconceived idea about what Jesus was supposed to do and who Jesus was supposed to be. Peter thought that if he goes to Jerusalem. They're going to kill him. But Jesus the Bible says that Jesus rebuked Peter. Even to the point where he said get thee behind me Satan. He looked at Peter and he said this. He said Peter. Peter. You don't understand. For if a man will come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. In other words, what Jesus was saying to Peter is this. I'm giving you an example that if you're going to come after me, you've got to do it like I'm doing. You cannot take up your cross without denying yourself. That's the reason that the proclamation of the gospel sounds so good to people. But when they have to live it out, it's different. Because God calls us, let me put it like this. In the kingdom of God, if you want to live, you got to die. In the kingdom of God, if you want to be rich, you got to become poor. In the kingdom of God, if you want to be up here, you got to get down here. You see, the kingdom of God goes against all the thinking, the ideas of the world. See, you will never be able to take the cross of Christ. Effectively until you deny yourself. And then the second thing is, and, and I'm getting down to where I'm going to close. The second thing that Joshua said is found in Joshua chapter 3 and verse 5. He said to the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. That word sanctify means set apart. It means to be apart. It means to be different from everybody else. Joshua said, sanctify yourselves for tomorrow God is going to do wonders among you. The first thing that we need to do is we need to watch for the moving of the presence of God. The second thing that we need to do in order to bring revival to this community and to our region and our family is that we need to understand that I've got to set myself apart for the use of God. <clears throat> you see, a lot of people think, well, I'm, I'm saved, sanctified. And in the Pentecostal church, we say I'm saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost. And that's good. But I personally believe that I'm saved and the process of sanctification is being worked out through my life. Now if you, do, if you believe that, that when you get saved you, you're sanctified or when you get filled with the Holy Ghost you're sanctified. You can believe whatever you want to. But I personally believe that I am a work in progress. That God is doing a work in my life. I'm not where I'm going to be. I'm not where I'm going to stay. I'm not as holy as I'm going to be. But I am a work in process. About the time that I think I've got it figured out, God shows something else and says, hey, what about this? You see, and the reason that I believe that is that Joshua told him there, he said, sanctify yourself. But just a few days later, there was a man named Achan that undoubtedly he didn't sanctify himself back there when Joshua told him to or he lost his sanctification because the Bible says that he looked into the rubble of, of Jericho and saw some garments and some gold and silver and he took it and hid it under the tent in his house, under his tent floor. The Bible says they went to a battle, they lost the battle, and to make a long story short, uh, Joshua is laying on his face crying out to God, saying, God, why did we lose this battle? Why did we not win over this small, insignificant army? And God speaks to him in Joshua chapter 7 and verse 13, and he says, get up and sanctify yourself. Get up and sanctify yourselves because you cannot stand before your enemies because there's a sin that has been hidden that is in the camp. Listen, every day of your life, ladies and gentlemen, you need to realize that you need to come to the throne of God and ask God to wash you and purify you and cleanse you. Just because you were saved 20 years ago doesn't mean that you don't grow. You need to grow every day. Every living thing that God creates is created to grow. Man, I knew I shouldn't have told y'all about the watermelon today. Because y'all thinking about watermelon this evening. and, and you Sanctification. There is a setting apart. The reason that some of you have been walking through such a battle in your life, the reason that you've been dealing with, let me say it like this, the reason that you have been battling with depression is that the enemy is trying to shut you down the reason that you've been struggling and and battling in every area of your life, you've got to realize this morning that God is saying, I want to get you to a place where you will give yourself to me and let me bring healing in your life. Sanctify yourself because the land that flows with milk and honey is just the other side. But what you're holding on to now won't work in the place that God wants to take you. And here's the last thing that I want to talk to you about this morning. And I'm going to close and we're going to have baptism. The Bible says this, Joshua chapter 3 and verse 14, And it came to pass that when the people removed from their tents to pass over Jordan, and the priests bearing the ark of the covenant before the people. And as they that bore the ark were come to Jordan, and the feet of the priests that bore the ark were dipped in the brim of the water, for Jordan overfloweth all his banks all the time of the harvest, that the waters which came down from above stood and rose upon a heap very far from the city Adam. That is beside Zaretan. And those that came down toward the sea of the plain, even the salt sea, failed and were cut off. So what he was saying was, the city of Adam was about 20 miles from where they were. God stopped the water. It backed up all the way into this city. The Dead Sea, the sea of salt, the Dead Sea, the water was cut off from it. It dried up. And the Bible says that the priest in verse 17 that bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of Jordan, and all the Israelites passed over on dry ground until all the people were passed clean over Jordan. Here's what I want to leave you with this morning. Remember, God told them to watch. Watch what? Watch the presence of God. Watch the movement of the Ark of the Covenant. The priests were bearing the Ark of the Covenant. They were the ones that were carrying the very presence of God. God said, watch them. God spoke to all of them and said, sanctify yourselves. Get rid of things that have been holding you back. Get rid of things, ideas, opinions, attitudes, all these things. Get rid of those things because you're about to make a transition. You're about to move into a place that I've told you was coming. You're about to move into a blessing that I've been telling you that was going to come. You're about to move into that place that I told you my glory was going to be poured out. Understand. You're about to move into a place. you've been used to manna coming down from heaven every day but you're about to move into a place where the manna is going to stop and you're going to have to you're going to be tilling the ground. You're, you, listen, you've been used to seeing water come out of the rock but now you're about to transition into a place uh, that that streams of water are going to be flowing all around you. But in order to experience that and not let the blessing of that become your God, he said you got to watch the presence and you got to sanctify yourselves. Just a side note there. The devil didn't destroy the nation of Israel. The devil didn't bring the nation of Israel into bondage again after this. Why did they go back into bondage? Because they let the very place that God took them in, the land that flowed with milk and honey, it became their God. That's a lot bigger than you understand. You see so many times the blessing that God gives us takes the place of our worship that nice boat that got uh, it's already cold in here understand this God said you're about to transition into something you're about to move from struggling in the wilderness you're about to move from the battles of the wilderness the warfare's about to change. There's a different warfare that's coming. Church, I, 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 you need to catch what I'm saying. There's a different warfare that's, that's about to come. Things that you've been battling over the past that that have been obstacles to your revival and obstacles to your joy and your peace God said sanctify yourselves because tomorrow you're gonna cross over into something else that's going to be like you've not seen before yeah you're gonna face some enemies but don't worry about the enemies because I have already dealt with them all you've got to do is be obedient to what I'm asking you to do there's gonna be a shift. Look at your neighbor and says a shift. It's gonna be a shift. But I want you to hear what I'm fixing to say. Somebody, somebody has got to get their feet wet and muddy. Never, never brought it out like this before but i'm going to bring it out the lord the lord dealt with me about this he said i want joshua said i want to i want the priest to go down carrying the ark i want them to go down and and the king james version says and Plant their feet or set their feet in the brim of Jordan. The Jordan River was a raging torrent of floodwaters. If you look up that word uh, set or, or the brim of the Jordan, you will discover that it wasn't just going down getting their toes in the water. But it meant that they went down into the Jordan River and their feet got soaking wet. Now think about this. God said, tell the priests that are bearing the presence of my power to go down and stand in the Jordan River. Only the priest. I don't know how many of them were, were carrying the Ark of the Covenant. Probably about six of them. Because six is a number of man. And God represented seven, which is completion. But anyway, they walked down into the Jordan River. And God said, I want you to go down into the Jordan River and stand there. When did the river part? It did not part while they were standing there contemplating on what God said. It did not part when they were standing there believing what God said. It did not part when they were standing there and looking at each other and saying, God's going to do this. The river did not part until the priest that were carrying the presence of God, did what God said, and walked down into the river Jordan. The Bible says that they stood there after the water parted, they stood in the midst of the river Jordan, and everybody else walked past. I don't know how far they went into the river, but I do know this, that they went down into the river enough that they got their feet wet and muddy Everybody else walked across on dry land. Think about this: everybody else, nobody, nobody got their tennis shoes wet. Nobody got their white Nikes muddy. Everybody else just walked right on across the Jordan River. Never got a piece of mud on their shoes. Never got any mud. Squinching up between their toes. But there were some men that were standing there and they stood there in the middle of that Jordan River. They got their feet wet and muddy. But they were doing it not for them, they were doing it for the millions of people that were coming across the river. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, you need to hear this today. I've never looked at it like this before, but God is saying today, uh, I believe to some people here this morning, I want you to get your feet wet. I want you to get your feet muddy. I want you to go down and stand in the middle of the Jordan River and just stand there because you are making the way for somebody else. Mom and Daddy, you've tried to keep your feet out of the water. You've tried to do it all pretty and all that, but God is saying today it is time to get down in the water, get your feet wet, get your feet muddy, and recognize that it's not about you, but it's about your children. It's about your family that's coming in behind you that God said, I want to redeem them. Think about it. Think about it. Revival is has never started because thousands and thousands of people came together in one mind and one accord. Revival has always started because somebody, one or two or three or four people, got together and walked in obedience to God and did something out of the ordinary. Think about this. There were 500 people, the Bible says, over 500 people that saw Jesus. When he resurrected, they watched him. They heard him. They listened to him. They, 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 let, they, they were there in his presence while he was ministering. Over 500 people in 1 Corinthians, I think, 15. They watched him. But there was only 120 that went into the upper room. Can I ask you, where were the other 380? Right. Come on. Yes. See, God is wanting to do something. He's wanting to do something through you. But perhaps he's saying that you are the one because you are a royal priesthood. You are a chosen generation. You have been called to do something that nobody else has been called to do. And perhaps God is saying today, take my presence and get in the middle of that that's holding people back. Stand there and watch me do the work. Sometimes you have to walk down into the mess and just stand there and believe what God's going to do before he'll do it. God never works the miracle and then asks us to go. He always asks us to go and then he works the miracle. See, it's about standing until God parts the waters.